The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week, I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am chatting with my frequent contributor, Christy Summers, about first steps for the newly engaged. Maybe you got proposed to over Christmas break, or perhaps at New Year's Eve, you decided you guys were going to get married, and now you are really excited to investigate Disney's fairy tale weddings. Well, today, Christy and I are going to talk about all the steps and tips that you will need when you're first investigating whether a Disney fairy tale wedding is right for you. And Christy and I both, when we got engaged, we both started doing a ton of research on Disney weddings, but it was hard to get specifics about real pricing. Like, could we really afford it other than just the, you have to spend an overall this amount, you know, but what, how much was everything else going to cost? How many people were going to come? So hopefully the research that we did will help you as you are starting on your journey toward your wedding. Welcome, Christy. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me on your show today. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to have you share your experience with planning and how you guys, you know, decided whether or not a Disney wedding was right for you and then tips for when you actually go out there for your honeymoon or your wedding trip. I know you just got back from a month at Walt Disney World, so you were probably full of tips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's funny. It's been a few years now since we were planning our wedding, but it's still when we walk around, we I still point out, oh, we, you know, we considered getting married there. This cost that much. It's just, it always stays with you. It never leaves you. That's funny. Yeah. So the first step that you're going to want to consider when you're planning is whether or not you can afford a Disney wedding. And I think a lot of people just write it off instantly. They just assume it's going to be a lot of money because it's Disney, or maybe they've been on the website and they saw that it said you have to spend $12,000 or something. But Disney actually has a couple of different types of weddings. So you don't necessarily have to spend $12,000 on a Disney wedding. So let's go over what those are. The first one is the memories collection. That's the smallest package that you can get. And it's $2,495 for up to six people, including the couple. So this was perfect for an elopement or maybe a vow renewal if you're already married but you didn't get to have the wedding you wanted you want to do a vow renewal at Walt Disney World perhaps with your children memories collection is great for that the next one up the escape collection is a bit more customizable it's still a package it has more things in it and the details for both of these packages can be found on Disney's Fairytale Weddings website but basically you get things like in the memories collection you get a limousine that takes you to the ceremony site you have the ceremony site you have a violinist you have a bouquet and a boutonniere you don't get a cake 
So the big step up for escape is it includes a cake. You can have up to 20 people, including the bride and groom. There is a cake and champagne reception afterwards, so it's a little bit longer. It isn't just the ceremony. And then you can add things like a character appearance or videography. So the escape collection now starts at $5,500 for resort locations, and those would be at the Yacht and Beach Club, at the Boardwalk Inn, at the, I mean, technically you can do one at Wilderness Lodge. Most people doing escape don't use Wilderness Lodge because it has a 10 guest maximum. And then you can also step up for an extra $1,000 for $6,500. You can do the wedding pavilion. And in between those two packages, if you want to get married in a park, they have one location for escape, and that is Canada Terrace in Canada at Epcot. And that costs $6,200, but it also includes some extra stuff like a van so that, that you can transport your guests backstage. So that's the basics for those two packages. And then the other collection they do at Walt Disney World is called Wishes. And this is not a package. This is a la carte. So this is where those big scary minimums come in. It starts at about $11,000. If you had the bare minimum number of people that you need to have Wishes, which is 20, and you had a brunch reception on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, you would be looking at a minimum of $11,000 that you have to spend with Disney. And then within that, there are other kinds of minimums. You have to spend a certain amount on what they call enhancements, which is basically anything that you would add to the wedding, like entertainment, transportation, flowers, things like that. And then they have a ceremony site minimum, and then they have a food and beverage minimum. But all of these collections have been detailed on the Disney Wedding Podcast in earlier episodes, and I will put links to these episodes on the show notes page for this episode so that you can go back in and listen to the full rundown of what you get, what it costs, you know, how you can save money on some of these different aspects. But this is just to give you a sense of, okay, these are the three main options at Walt Disney World for weddings. And Christy, when you guys were looking, were you looking, because I know we started looking at Escape and then we ended up doing Wishes. What were you guys looking at? At the time we were only looking at Escape. That was the only option that worked best for us. Um, Wishes was too big and and too much since we're all, you know, coming from California and there were only going to be a handful of people in our family. Had the memories collection been available, that would have been the option that we would have gone with definitely. Yeah, it's been great since they introduced it because it is so low cost and it allows you to have an official Disney wedding and then you qualify to do the Magic Kingdom bridal portrait session where you can have your photos taken in your gown before the park opens. So it's a great kind of entry level way to have a Disney wedding. Yeah, definitely. So if we do end up doing a vow renewal, which we've talked about, we'll probably end up going with the memories collection for that. Just something small so we can you know, have it in our, in our ideal place. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, one thing to remember is that these are prices are just what you pay to Disney. So when you're starting to do your budget, don't forget formal wear, your travel, your rings, you're going to need to hire an officiant. Are you going to have a honeymoon at Disney? How much is that going to cost? And then if you want any services provided by somebody other than Disney, like if you want to hire your own photographer, or your own videographer, those will all be on top of the basic package prices. So what I always suggest people do is to make a quick sample budget in Excel. And if you just got engaged like yesterday, you're probably not at a place where you want to do this yet, but you could even just roughly write out the numbers. And when you do start to do more research, if you want to just use Excel or if you have Passporters, Disney Weddings, and Honeymoons, which is my guidebook to Disney Weddings at Walt Disney World and on the cruise line, there is a budget worksheet. It's self-calculating. It's in the back. 
and you can just start putting in about what you think you'd spend on your dress, about what you think the location you want or the package you want is, and it will calculate it all out for you and give you an idea of how much it's going to cost, how much you're going to give to Disney, how much you'll pay in tax and service charge, and then how much you will be responsible for outside of what you owe Disney. And so where do you get prices to put in there? Because when you go on Disney's website, they've started putting more specific pricing, which is great, especially under wishes. So even if you're looking at an escape event, check out the budget section of their wishes page because they will tell you how much Cinderella's carriage costs. They'll tell you how much the major domo costs or the characters. And so you can use numbers like that to put into your little mock budget to give you an idea if this is within your price range. Another great place to get prices is on the Diz boards. This is a message board for Disney fans, and it's probably the largest non-private message board for people who are interested in weddings and honeymoons. They have a whole forum devoted to weddings and honeymoons. And in there is a share your budget thread. It's just called share your budget where people have posted their actual BEOs, which is the budget that Disney gives you with prices. And these prices do not change a lot. So even if you're looking at somebody's BEO from last year or two years ago, the prices may have changed by a couple dollars, but there have been no huge leaps in any of the prices for things. So if you want to know how much extra champagne is going to cost for your escape package or whatever, those prices are about the same. And then there are also plenty of Facebook groups devoted to Disney weddings, and the people there share their budgets all the time and what they've been quoted, prices for different things. And so this is a good way to dig up the individual prices for the things you know you want. When we were planning ours, the, the Disboards was a huge help, especially because, you know, a lot of this information wasn't out there yet. But even with it, it's all, it's real life. It's what people are actually experiencing and what their budgets actually were. So I think it's a great tool to to go there and, and see what other people have paid or what their budget was and how far over maybe they went. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's great to see it. Yeah. And they're so helpful. You know, people love to share what they've learned and it's a great place to just ask questions like, should I do this or do that? What's a way to save money on this? So message boards, Facebook groups, any of those forums where past brides get together and talk about their Disney weddings, it's a great resource. Definitely. And so then the next thing you're going to want to do if you decide, you know what, I think we can afford this or maybe we can afford it, but let's go to the next step. The next step is to pick a date. You don't have to pick your exact date right now, but even just picking what month you want to get married in or what season will be really helpful. You know, maybe you have a meaningful date like the day you started dating, or maybe you want to do it on a holiday like Valentine's Day or you love Christmas and you want to get married on Christmas. These are going to help you narrow down when you want to get married. What we did, we started with picking a season. So obviously Disney World is going to be more popular at some times of year. And if you want to save money and you want to avoid crowds, you're going to want to do this during low season. There are plenty of planning websites out there that talk about when are the best times of year to visit Walt Disney World. And you can also get information on the high and low seasons for the hotels there. Like if you want to stay at a Disney hotel, when's it going to be the cheapest? And also airfares. You know, airfares follow hotels. They go up and down depending on when is most popular to travel. Holidays, it's going to be tricky. If you do want to get married, Valentine's Day maybe wouldn't be that bad, but around Christmas, 4th of July, New Year's Eve, these times are very popular. So they're going to be crowded. And the minimum expenditures, if you're doing, say, a wishes event where you have to pay for a DJ in December on the weekends, DJ prices double because they are in such demand. 
So that's something to keep in mind, that it might be better to go during an off-season or maybe just a holiday where DJs aren't as in demand, like Labor Day or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then also when is convenient for your guests. We were surprised to find, when we first started planning, we planned for President's Day weekend because we have a lot of teachers in our families. And it turned out that it was actually better for them not to go over that holiday, and it saved everyone a ton of money by going two weeks earlier at the beginning of February. So just assuming that because your family is teachers, they'll only be able to go on certain school holidays, you might want to talk to them because maybe their school district works a little bit differently or they're not allowed to take off certain holidays. So that's something to keep in mind if you have to deal with you know, kids or teachers in your family who would be coming to the event. And another aspect with, you know, going in the off season for your budget is also for the people traveling, because if you're going in and during the off season, the hotel rates are going to be lower, whether or not you have a room block, it'll help save everyone a little bit more money if you can go during the off season. Exactly. You're not the only person who's going to be saving money, and it might allow more people to come to your wedding. I have a separate show that's all about the room block. It's called Demystifying the Room Block, and that is for people who are doing wishes, weddings, or escape weddings can now add room blocks, but they are not required the way they are with wishes. But yes, the room block, basically it sets aside hotel room nights for your guest, and those prices fluctuate based on whether it's a high season or not. So yeah, great point, Christy. And then the next thing is what day of the week do you want to get married? If you have a specific date you want, you might not have a choice. If you have always dreamed of having a Saturday night wedding with the full band and, you know, the traditional type of wedding that people think of, maybe you can't budge on that. But I will tell you, you can save a ton of money with Disney if you pick a weekday and you do it in the morning. We'll talk about time of day in a second. But for wishes, the wishes collection, the minimum expenditures are lowest Monday through Wednesday. And you might think, well, who's going to want to go to a Wednesday wedding? When people go to Walt Disney World, they're on vacation. So day of the week is not as important, especially if you can plan it like We had our wedding on a Monday morning, and it allowed people to fly in on a Saturday and fly out on a Tuesday, which are two of the cheapest days of the week to fly. So they were able to save money on their airfares because we had a Monday wedding. And then the other thing to know is that escape collection events are not even available on the weekends anymore. So if you do want an escape package, the memories package also has limited days, but they're all over the weekends. They're like, it's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's a little more flexible. I've heard of them allowing memories collection events pretty much any day of the week. Escape, there's no budging. They don't do weekends anymore. So that might decide that for you. Isn't that because Escape shares venues with Wishes, but Memories has their own separate venues from either of the other options? Yeah. So the Escape, it used to be you could pay more to get married on the weekend, and now they just don't do them on the weekend at all. So I think just to leave the wedding pavilion free for Wishes weddings and the other locations so that Wishes weddings can use them at the weekend. But you know, weekdays are cheaper all the way around. So I I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if you have to get married during the week. And like you said, when you're on vacation, pretty much every day is technically a Saturday. You're on vacation. Exactly. So I have a question though. What it, what counts as a weekend? Is it Friday through Sunday or is it, is it Friday and Saturday? Is it Saturday and Sunday? How does that work? For escape, you can do Monday through Friday. And so it's just Saturday and Sunday that you can't do. And then for wishes, the prices change depending Monday through Wednesday is the cheapest. And then Thursday, Friday, Sunday is the next category. And Saturday is its own category of price. And it just gets higher and higher. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other thing to consider is what time of day. Again, most people, when they think of a wedding, they think of an evening wedding with the DJ and dancing and booze. 
but you can save a ton of money if you do a brunch wedding because your minimum expenditures, the minimum amount you're required to spend if you're doing wishes, they are lowest at brunch. So if you can do a morning ceremony, sometimes you think, oh my gosh, I'm not a morning person. I don't want to get up early, but it's one day in your life and you will save thousands of dollars. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And who doesn't love a Mickey waffle at a wedding? Exactly. So you can do Mickey waffles. The other cool thing about brunch is you can save on a lot of other areas like booze. Like nobody is going to expect a full bar at a brunch reception. So that's another great way to cut costs because you're already serving food that's cheaper. You don't have to serve as much liquor or any at all if you don't want to. So So there are a lot of great economical advantages to having a brunch wedding reception. And then if brunch is totally out, you want to have it another time of day, just remember that it can kind of dictate the feel of the reception as well as the cost. So if you did want something more formal, generally those are evening weddings. If you're okay with something more casual, brunch or lunch is going to save you money and it's the perfect time of day for those. Now that you've maybe picked a date or you have a general idea of when you might want to go, the next thing you're going to want to do, and this can seem like the hardest thing, is estimate the number of guests. Obviously, if you just got engaged, you don't maybe don't even know how many people there are on your husband or wife-to-be's side of the family. But if you can start to talk about it and figure out who you're going to need to invite, who you're going to want to invite, This is important because of a couple things. One is if you're doing a package wedding like an escape or memories, there's a limit on the number of guests you can have. So like in our case, my husband's immediate family alone is six people. And then there was my family and there was no way if they had had memories, we wouldn't have qualified because we just have too many people. So it could be you automatically have to do wishes just because of the size of your families and the number of friends you want to bring. The other thing to note is that if you do decide to do a wishes event, the rule of thumb is that with destination weddings, the various magazines and websites, they estimate that about 50% to 75% of the people you invite will actually come to a destination wedding. So keep that in mind, though, that yes, you're going to invite 150 people. You're going to invite 60 people, but not all of them are going to be able to come. And like I say, the the general rule of thumb is between, some people say it's as low as 50%. Some people say it's as high as 75%. Disney reports that they get a higher than average response rate, especially if you're thinking of inviting families, because here's an opportunity to go to your wedding and go to Walt Disney World. And who doesn't love Walt Disney World? (laughs) So it could be that relying on the fact that it's a destination wedding doesn't save you as many guests as you thought it would. But don't worry if you do want to invite a lot of people because they aren't all going to come. And you don't need that exact figure right away. But when you do call Disney, it's a good idea to have a ballpark figure because it will help when you are narrowing down what venues are available to you and how much things are going to cost. That was the hardest part when we were planning was the guest list, how many, how to get it under 20 for the for the escape package or would that many people come? It was a big A long discussion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, especially if your parents are paying, that means they get to invite people, maybe people you don't even know. And for us, it was sort of a relief that we were paying for it entirely by ourselves because it meant we alone could dictate the guest list. That's true. That's a good point. And like I said, if you have a larger group, there are going to be fewer options for venues. So like the place we ended up using for our reception, the attic, it's my favorite venue. It it has these beautiful views out over the Crescent Lake, I think it's called, where Beach Club, Yacht Club, Boardwalk are located. But it has a maximum capacity now of, I think they say, it seems like they lower it every year. I think now it's like 35 people. And so, yeah, if we had had 100 people, 
we wouldn't have been able to use it. However, if we had had 100 people, we could have used American Adventure Rotunda, which is in Epcot. It's this beautiful stately venue, but you have to have a minimum of 100 people to use that. So it really does depend on the size of your group where you're going to be able to hold your event. Okay, so you've decided you can afford it. You've picked a date or a rough date. You have a general idea of the number of guests you want to invite. Your next step is to call Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings to get the ball rolling. So that number is 321-939-4610. And when you call, you're going to get someone who is not a wedding planner, and they will take down your basic details, like we've just talked about, how many people you think you're going to have, about when you want to hold it, what collection you're looking at doing, and then within a few days, you will be contacted by a sales consultant. So if you have a ton of questions when you first call, you don't want to ask this person because they are well-meaning and they want to be able to answer your questions, but a lot of times they will give you incorrect answers or they won't have the answers that you need. So don't worry if you call and they say something that scares you or makes you think all of a sudden you can't have a Disney wedding or you don't qualify or something you wanted isn't available. Your actual sales consultant and then eventually your event planner, these are the people who are going to have those kinds of answers. So the first person you talk to, you'll just give them your basic information and then they'll pass it on to the person you need to talk to. Now, there's sort of a window in which Disney will start to talk to you about the different collections. For example, the Memories collection can only be booked six months in advance. Now, if you called a couple months before that to talk to them and just tell them that you were thinking of doing this, you can do what they call penciling in, which is where they note that you're interested in this date and this location. It is not reserved for you. Anybody else could take it, but they know you're interested and then that way you can start talking to them. But if you called two years out for a memories collection, they would tell you call back when you're closer. The booking window for escape is eight months and you can get penciled in at nine months. So if you wanted to start talking to them nine or 10 months out, they could, you know, maybe send you the brochure with the choices or answer some of your questions, but you're not going to be able to actually sign a contract until eight months out. And then with wishes, you can start talking to them about 16 months out. And I know a lot of people like to plan way in advance. Maybe you're getting married in two years and it can be disappointing when you call up, you know, two years out and they say, sorry, we can't talk to you. But a lot of this is because prices change, policies change, and they can't give you any information now that would be solid for when you're actually getting married. So a good rule of thumb for wishes is to call about 16 months out and then they can tentatively hold a date and location for you until 12 months out when you can do the actual contract. We were planning so far out. At that point, you could call it a year for the escape package and book it. So I called as soon as the date opened up and booked it. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's interesting because, yeah, and it did used to be you could call wishes like 24 months out or whatever, but I think they get a lot of looky-loos. And to cut down on the amount of time that they spend investing in people who are not actually going to get married there is why they've shrunk the windows in which they will speak with you. That makes sense. And also because like you said, the prices change. A couple of years ago, I don't think things changed as quickly as they do now. It seems they're adding a lot more or taking away a lot more in some cases. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're <laughs> constantly rethinking their options, <laughs> at least yeah. a lot more often than they used to. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're in that stage where you decided you want to get married, you're going to do it at Disney, but you're not getting married till 2017 and they're not going to be talking to you yet, there are some other options. What can you do when you want to plan and you want to get the ball rolling, but Disney won't work with you yet? So first is 
these message boards and Facebook groups I've mentioned, these are a great place for you to start talking to other couples and get their ideas, run ideas by them, help you narrow down what you're going to want when you do start working with Disney, like what locations you're going to want. I've met some brides and grooms who like have their wedding planned to a T at, you know, maybe 24 months out. And so then when 12 months rolls around, they call up Disney and they get the ball rolling and their planners are like, wow, you know exactly what you want already. (laughs) (laughs) And the other resource I would recommend not just because I wrote it, is Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons. This is a book that I wrote after we had our wedding at Walt Disney World to contain all of the information that I wished I could have had when I first got started, especially at that time when there were very few prices available. I had to do a lot of research to find out if I could even afford a Disney wedding, and Disney wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't tell me how much anything would cost. So I was able to put together a budget to say, okay, if I can get things that cost this much, then we can afford a Disney wedding. So Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons is a guidebook that's going to tell you about every single aspect of all three types of weddings at Walt Disney World and the cruise wedding. So if you end up thinking, you know what, maybe we'll just get married on the cruise instead because then you sort of have a built-in honeymoon and you have an easy-to-book package for the wedding, all of these are covered in my book. There is also a 74-page bridal organizer at the back where you can start tracking all your details. So things that you can do now, like if you want to start making favors or start making your own invitations, things like that are great projects to work on now before you can start talking to Disney. And the other cool thing about the bridal organizer is that it has self-calculating budgets in the back. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but if you are trying to figure out if you can afford an escape collection, wishes, cruise, you can take prices that you found on Disney's website or by talking to other brides and grooms and plug them into these self-calculating worksheets and they will spit out the total that you'll pay and they break out how much is going to go to sales tax and to service charge, how much is going to apply toward the minimum that Disney will require you to spend if you have wishes, and then how much you will be spending on other things that don't apply to Disney, like your dress and the trip and the rings and things like that. So that can be a good way to get an idea if you can do a Disney wedding. And then it's full of money-saving tips. Christy and I have given you some of them already, things like have a brunch wedding, get married on a weekday, (laughs) don't serve (laughs) booze. (laughs) But it has lots of little tips and big tips that can all add up to save you money. And then if you are looking at doing an escape event, or if you perhaps decide you want to get married at the Swan and Dolphin or at Fulton's or someplace on Disney property that isn't Disney, there's information in there on booking private and group dining. So for your rehearsal dinner or for a meal after your escape wedding, or if you want to do a dessert party and you're having your wedding at B Resort, this will help you figure out how to do that aspect of Disney planning too. It isn't just for Disney's fairy tale weddings. And there's even a whole chapter on all the alternatives. Shades of green, if you have a military or a government connection, you can get married very reasonably right next to the Polynesian at Shades of Green. Swan and Dolphin, Bee Resort, which is on downtown Disney and just opened in 2014. Coronado Springs, which is a Disney resort but has restaurants that are owned by an independent company where you can get married for less than at a Disney resort. And then also the Four Seasons Orlando, which is a new resort. It's on Disney property. It's right on the other side of Fort Wilderness. And you would think it would be extremely expensive because it's the Four Seasons, but they actually have a package wedding for up to 30 people that is two-thirds the cost of Disney 
Disney's escape wedding. So for $3,600, you can have up to 30 people and do your wedding there, and then they will help you plan a dessert party in Epcot afterward or a meal someplace. So that might be a good way to have an economical wedding at Walt Disney World. So all of that is in the book. And then it explains every step of the planning process for each type of wedding. So if you do decide to do a wishes event, what's a room block? What's the contract entail? Do I get a planning session? What are my choices for cake flavors? Anything you can think of for the wishes, escape, memories, and the cruise collection, there are chapters on each of those. And then, like I said, there are the planning pages in the back. These I created because I was buying like the Knott's Bridal Planner and all the different bridal planners you can find in the bookstores, but none of them applied to Disney weddings. Certain parts did, you know, the part about your dress or your rings or invitations, but there was so much that was specific to Disney weddings, deadlines, cutoff dates, things I needed to know that were just for Disney, that I basically just created one from scratch, and that is in the back of the Passporter as well. And it is all current and up to date. In fact, I just completed an update yesterday. And when you listen to this episode of the show, it will already be out. So if you already own Passporters, Disney Weddings, and Honeymoons, or if you buy it now in the ebook version, you get free updates in perpetuity. So all you have to do is go back into your account on the Passporter store and you can re-download it and you'll get the latest version. So this is really helpful because Disney changes stuff all the time. And I have to update this book, I'd say two or three times a year at least, just to keep up with all of the changes, new pricing, different policies. They allow you to do things. They stop allowing you to do things. So with the ebook version of Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, you can always be on top of all the changes. You can always download the latest one if you're planning now and then you want to come back for of our renewal in five years, you can keep downloading the new updates every time one comes out and you'll have all the current information. It's such an incredible value. And, you know, I have it. I purchased it on my own and <laughs> long, long time ago when you first came out with the first edition. And it has been, it's paid for itself time and time again, just from trying to plan events outside of a wedding, looking to see what our options could be if we wanted to plan a private dinner for our anniversary or something like that. It's so incredibly helpful and valuable. And the fact that you can continue to download updates after you've purchased it is just fantastic. It's a great option. I'm so glad you found it helpful. Yeah, there's a whole section. The last chapter is all about honeymoons and anniversaries. So even if you eventually decide we're going to get married at home and just have our honeymoon at Walt Disney World, there's a whole chapter on that. All the different romantic things that you can add to your trip, special experiences. Like Christy was saying, if you want to plan a private event, you can do a dessert party without having to have a Disney wedding. And so that might be something fun to add to your honeymoon or if you're coming back for your anniversary. And I explain all the information about that. I have all the prices for the different venues and the food and beverage minimums. So hopefully it's a resource that can serve you through the wedding and beyond. And I can say for me, it definitely has. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Christy, thank you so much for being on the show today. I hope that together we've helped demystify this process for newly engaged couples who are excited about investigating Disney's fairy tale weddings. And if you have any questions, you can definitely contact me through the website and I will put as much of this information as I can in the post that accompanies this episode so that you can have quick links directly to the show on each collection, the shows I've done on some of the main topics for planning wishes, like demystifying the room block, what to expect at your planning session. So all of those resources will be in the post for this show on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, 
questions and suggestions to info at disneyweddingpodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com slash weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com. <laughs>